We've got a couple, right, in their 20s, and they're boyfriend and girlfriend, and they have been seeing each other for years and years. Now, the girl in question is quite a traditional girl, and she is kind of waiting for the guy to ask her to marry him. This isn't happening, okay? So year after year after year, there is no proposal. And then one Saturday, they're, they're due to sort of meet up together for lunch around at his house. But she wakes up that morning and she's like, come on, you know, enough is enough. I'm sick of this year after year. There's nothing. I'm going around there. I'm going to give this guy a piece of my mind. So she gets out of her bed and she goes around this flat. She bangs on the door. But the door opens by itself. She steps inside and she sees a guy taking a violin out of its case. And then she looks over in the corner and there's this catering team making a lovely, beautiful meal. And then there's another few people making, setting a table for a candlelit dinner for two. And she realizes, oh, she realizes what's happened. Her boyfriend was going to propose to her that very day and now what's happened she's jumped the gun she's ruined the surprise and she's given into her impatience okay well tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at the spiritual equivalent of that story because we are going to consider tonight the dangers of becoming impatient with god almighty the dangers of becoming impatient with God Almighty. So, if you haven't already, please pick up your Bibles. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 16, and let's consider our first point. This is our first heading. The impatience that leads to an ungodly plan. The impatience that leads to an ungodly plan. Okay, Genesis 16. Let's think about what's going on here well a few chapters ago what we've seen is that god has gone to abram and he has spoken to abram and he has promised abram in genesis chapter 12 if you can cast your mind back there he's promised abram lots of lots of blessing one of which was the promise of a child remember that and then in the 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 chapter prior to the one that we're looking at tonight so in chapter 15 What's happened is that this guy, Abram, has begun to really struggle with this, okay? He's begun to sort of doubt this promise that he is going to have a kid. So do you remember what happened? Remember in the last chapter? Abram's doubting. So God goes to Abram, and God enters into a formal covenant with Abram, where he promises that this is going to happen. God promises you are going to have a, 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 a child. So, okay things are good. Abram's trusting in God. But then we get into what we're looking at tonight. And we get into Genesis 16. And what do we find? We find that, okay, Abram's dealing with this. Abram's trusting in this promise of child. But his wife surely isn't, is she? I mean, she's not. You know, the beginning of the chapter here, we've kind of we've got her clearly doubting what God has said in the promise of a child. 
It's almost, I suppose you can imagine it at the beginning of Genesis 16, that sort of Sarai's there sort of t- tapping her watch and just, you know, come on, I'm an old woman now. And what does it say? That they've been in the land for 10 years, a decade, and there's no sign of this kid whatsoever. And what we see is that she's becoming really kind of frustrated. She's almost kind of angry with God. Do you see what she says in verse 2? She's blaming him. The Lord has, has, has kept me from having children. She's a woman who's exasperated. She's frustrated. She's impatient. And do you see what happens? What does she do? She snaps. And she decides to put a plan into action. Now, here we go. Let's get this right. Let's get the details of this plan, Sarai's plan, right? What what goes down here? Well, remember what we've seen. Sarai and Abram are loaded, okay? I mean, they are hanging for money, okay? And they've got lots of servants. And Sarai's got this servant girl called Hagar, doesn't she? And so what does the plan involve? The plan involves using Hagar as a surrogate mother. So the plan here is for her husband, Abram, to sleep with Hagar. And then for Abram and Sarai to, to raise this child as their own. Okay, not that it matters much in some ways, but how does that plan make you feel? What do you think about that plan? You think, well, it's not the greatest of plans, is it? You know, It's a bit immoral. Not the greatest thing in the world. Well, actually, do you know that that sort of surrogacy, that sort of plan, wasn't all that uncommon in the ancient Near East at the time. Okay, it was actually quite frequent that what you'd have was a, a slave owner do this and, and take a child off a servant as, as their own if they couldn't have kids. So this happened a lot. So what we've seen, we've seen impatience, and we're seeing it lead into this plan. But of course, what we've got to be asking here is, is really, how do we apply this? What, what is it that we need to be thinking about here? Well, I guess if we had more time, what we could do is look at the issue of surrogacy. Couldn't we? Something that is a prominent ethical issue in the West. Something that really God portrays in Genesis 16 in a sort of distinctly negative light. Something that Scripture clearly does not condone. But this is not, I guess, the time for that. So let's go in a, in a, in a different direction. You see, as a minister, um, as a pastor, there's a sort of idea, there's a phrase that I hear quite a lot of. Okay, you know, I'll be meeting up for coffee with people and we'll be chatting about spiritual things and they'll say to me yeah I know I know that, that God's got a perfect plan for my life I know that you know, I know yeah I've heard it before that God's timing uh, it's perfect but then they drop the bomb because then they say I just wish God would hurry up you know I just wish that God would put his foot down in my life he just Speed this plan along for me. There seems to be this sort of 
pervasive impatience we have, even as Christians, towards God and towards his plans. Well, what we learn in Genesis 16 is that when we, like this woman here, Sarai, when we find ourselves impatient with God's timing, that we mustn't snap. You know, that we mustn't get to the point where we just say, oh God, enough is enough. And we go off and make plans of our own. Now, that is a real temptation for us, isn't it? I mean, you're ill, or you're unemployed, or you're in a complex relationship with someone, and you're saying, God, you know, I've been patient. But you get to the point, don't you, where you say, you know, I just, I, I just cannot do this anymore. I am sick of God not acting. You know, I'm sick of God. I'm crying to God, but I'm sick of him not answering prayer. And we can get to the point where we say, okay, that's it. I'm drawing a line under this. Enough is enough. I've had it. I am going to go my own way now. I am going to do things my own time. Yes. Do you see the problem? If we do that, then we are not acting in faith. We're doing what Sarai does here. If we do that, we are discarding. We are sidelining God. So here's the thing I want you to get. If it is the situation, it might even be the situation tonight that you are waiting for God, if there is that impatience, instead of seeing your patience snap, See the great opportunity that God is giving you at this point, now, in your life. Because very often the reason that God delays answering prayer is so that his people will seek him more frequently. That the greatest delays in life can also be, if we respond properly and spiritually and appropriately, the greatest delays can also be the times of greatest spiritual growth. They can be. So instead of giving in to our impatience, we need to embrace that opportunity to rely on God all the more. You see here the, the impatience that leads to an ungodly plan. Now, over the last uh, decade or so, um, there's been a series of films called the Ocean's Trilogy. I'm sure a number of you have seen it. It's Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, Ocean's Thirteen, I suppose. Um, and in one of these, I'm not sure which one it is, um, in one of these, a gang of criminals, they form a plan to rob a Las Vegas casino. But what happens is that <laughs> they hit huge problems and there's massive sort of repercussions because it turns out let, let, try and let, I'll try and get this right it turns out that the casinos the owner of the casino's partner is married or the ex-wife of one of the gang of criminals okay so this planet they've got it leads to all manner, all manner of fallout and complicated complications, if you like. 
But you see, that's, that's the sort of thing that we see in Genesis chapter 16 here. Because we've seen the impatience, but the, the, the sort of second heading that I want us to think about are the relational repercussions to this ungodly plan. I'll say it again, just so we've all got it. The relational repercussions of Sarai's plan. Now, what, what does that mean, relational repercussions? Look, Keith, at the start of things, this plan of Sarai seems to be going okay, doesn't it? In her eyes. Because her husband sleeps with her servant. And then Hagar gets pregnant. And this is a plan coming together as far as Sarai is concerned. But almost immediately, do you see it? Things just tumble. Things start falling apart. And there's all of these kind of interpersonal complications and problems. Look at verse 4, if you've got your Bibles open. We're told... When Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. What does that mean? Well, despise probably is going to be a great translation. And some of our King James people in the congregation are going to come to me afterwards and say, well, King James has got it right. Uh, But despise isn't the greatest translation. It's more that, that Hagar looked down upon or sneered at a Sarai. I wonder, do you see why that was? You see, in the ancient Near East at this time, if you were a woman who could not have children, you were a barren woman, that was seen as being a disgrace. So do you see how the, the pieces of the jigsaw fall together for Hagar here? She finds herself to be pregnant, and she work out. She can work out that the reason that Sarai couldn't have a baby was nothing to do with Abram. Because Abram's impregnated her. So the problems were with Sarah. So Hagar now looks down her nose at this woman. You know, she looks with contempt at Sarai. And then you see the sort of tension. You know, Hagar's hating Sarai, but Sarai retaliates and she's raging with her. I mean, it's a miserable, miserable picture, right? But actually, what I want us to think about is is not the relationship between Hagar and Sarai. It's the mess between Sarai and Abram. Because I tell you this, there is definitely a message or a word here for the guys in the building tonight. A message for the husbands and for the future husbands. Just think about this. When the author is writing Genesis chapter 16, in what he says here and in the way he says it, what he wants is for you, the reader, to be sent back in your minds to Genesis chapter 3 and the fall in the Garden of Eden. Now, do you see the connection here? See, think about what happened in Eden. What happened in the fall? Well, we know that Eve, the woman, was the first to be tempted. And what are we told? What's the language in Genesis 3? Well, the fruit. She saw the fruit. What else did she do? She saw it. She took the fruit and she gave the fruit. Now, have a look here. Verse 3. 
what have we got? We've got the woman given to this uh, impatience. And she sees Hagar. And what does she do? She says here she took Hagar and she gave Hagar to her husband. Do you see it? Just as in Eden, Satan's ploy was to reverse those marital roles in God's creation. So what we've got here is the same thing. We're seeing the repercussions where these roles, these marital roles, are flipped. Now, I kind of always feel, uh, when I'm standing up here and I'm talking about gender roles, I always think I should have a bulletproof vest on, you know. And I have uh, forgotten my bulletproof vest, but I'm still, I'm still going to carry on, okay? Think about this. Think about Abram's spiritual weakness in this chapter. I mean, his wife comes to him with what is truly an ungodly plan. And basically, the guy is a pushover, isn't he? I mean, verse 2 says to his wife, basically, okay, fine, you know, let's, let's go for it. And then verse 6, I mean, verse 6, the key word is, whatever. You know, he says, do with Hagar whatever you think. At a time when his wife, his extended family, need him to be spiritually strong. What's Abram? He's a wuss, isn't he? I mean, Abram here is a, is a spiritual big girl's blouse. Yeah? And guys, in the room here, I, I do hope that you see the lesson that we should take from this. We should be spiritual men. That's what we should be striving for. Spiritual men, especially if in our families we have a, a wife or a household that is really struggling with waiting on God. In a situation where there is this impatience, this prevailing impatience here, we need to be spiritually strong. We need to be leading our household in a love. Guys, are we doing that? Do we do that? Are we examples of seeking Jesus Christ? See, what should have happened here is that when Sarai comes to Abram with this ungodly plan, he should have looked at her and he should have said, no. But he didn't. And it led to all manner of relational repercussions okay impatience then relational repercussions okay let's conclude a third point let's think about the mercy shown despite an ungodly plan the mercy shown despite an ungodly plan <coughs> now <coughs> excuse me and parts of London and parts of the UK there's been outrage um, with these sort of Banksy's murals and paintings being taken down from walls all over the shop and uh, sold at auction hasn't there? Outrage but uh, alongside or accompanying that outrage there's also been because of that a sort of renewed level of intrigue about who this guy is. You know, we read about Banksy all the time, um, but who is the artist behind Banksy? Okay. 
Well, there is here a similar level or a similar mystery, an uncertainty that surrounds a character in Genesis 16. Because for the first time in the Bible, we are introduced in these verses to the angel of the Lord. Now, like surrogacy, this is not the time to go into an in-depth analysis of who the angel of the Lord is. But what we do need to know is whether he is a messenger of God or whether he is truly the second person of the Trinity, that the angel of the Lord here, he speaks with the voice and the authority of God himself. The angel of the Lord speaks with the voice and authority of God himself. So what does he say here? Okay, the angel of the Lord, he meets Hagar on the road to Egypt. Okay, so Hagar has been mistreated by Sarai, hasn't she? And she's fled, she's run away because of this. And the angel of the Lord comes to Sarai on this road and says two things. Okay, first of all, he says that this wicked plan, you know, the surrogacy, the sinful, sinful plan, it doesn't entitle Hagar to commit another mistake. You see the lesson for us? One spiritual wrong does not free us up to go and make another spiritual mistake. The angel of the Lord says, go back. Go back to your responsibilities, Hagar. Go back to Sarai. The second thing he says is actually cause for hope for this pregnant girl. Because God speaks and he promises that she's going to bear a child. She is going to bear the son. And and though the the guy is going to be hostile and he's going to be violent, God says that this will be the first of many children for her. That despite this plan, despite the the background of immorality and, and filth, that this girl is going to bear many, many children. And what we're supposed to pick up on in this chapter is that immense knowledge that God has of Hagar, the immense knowledge that God has of your situation tonight. Because what's the name that God says that this kid should be called? What's the name? Ishmael, right? Do you see what the name means? It means the Lord hears. Then, what is the name that Hagar gives God here. Do you see that? It is the Lord sees. The Lord hears, the Lord sees. Our God is not only a God who hears us when we are worried and impatient and crying out to him, our God is a God who sees the very, very details of the problems and anxieties and the situations that we are in. And so I wonder then, you take that knowledge, do you see the whole point of Genesis chapter 16? Do you see the point that is being made in this chapter? It is that Sarai herself, way back at the beginning, with all that impatience, she should have seen that God is that God. She should have seen that God is a God who hears. The God is a God who sees. The God understands and sees the impatience. And she should have trusted in him. 
Because what do we know? We have the Bible. What do we We know that in the coming chapters, God would fulfill the promise that Abraham and Sarai would have a child. That he was true to his word. And what's more, I wonder, do you remember what the other part of the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12 was? Do you remember what it was? He promised a child. What else did he promise? He promised that through Abram, God would bless all the nations of the world, didn't he? And what does Scripture tell us? It tells us that that was also a promise that God fulfilled. Because years after Hagar, there would be another pregnant girl in distress. And years after Hagar, the angel of the Lord would come to that pregnant girl. And the angel of the Lord would say the same thing that he says to Hagar in verse 11. He would say, you are with child and you will have a son. But she wasn't to name him Ishmael. She was to name him Jesus because he would save his people from their sin, that he would be the blessing through Abram to all the nations of the world. You see, we should read Genesis 16, and yeah, we should see the warning here about being impatient, But we should also read this and we should rejoice that God is a God who does what he says. Always. He does it. That he will work all things for the good of you, those who love him. So say to you tonight, be patient. Be patient. Because God knows your situation inside out. And he loves and he cares for his children. Let's pray.